0: second
1: song. Talk This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron.
0: Ron. Basically, what we I do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the you world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just I love that.
1: Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about And now all about is line.
2: Okay.
0: Hey. Thank you, bus people. Thank you, bus people. The guy's still yeah. whistling, but he toned it down. I think you had a talk with him a few weeks ago there. And, and oh, yeah, I had talk. to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. it just, it's just a little bit too much. And you have it has way to too became, many. That was the so first Yeah, yeah. Well, he he was, it it, it was just a little bit obnoxious, and so, you know, I'm glad you talked to him. Um, Welcome (laughs) to All About Wine. This is December the 21st, 2023 at 7.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the shortest day of the year, first day of winter. And uh, we, I think the actual exact time is like ten twenty something, ten I don't know for sure, but it's it's officially not winter yet. It's still fall until ten o'clock or so until between ten and eleven sometime there. So uh we are still in autumn. But shortest day of the year. And our days will start getting longer. What's amazing is the days start getting longer fast. I mean within yeah. a week it'll be brighter uh twenty minutes later. It just it's just boom, it's there. So I like mm-hmm. that though. I I'm not I'm not complaining. Uh like the longer days. I wish they would adopt year round at the same time for Florida. But uh probably never see it. They always talk about it every year but it never happens. So yeah. who knows. So mm-hmm. Uh, first bit of business here is we're going to talk about Flightline Radio Mike's radio program Radio dot com. It Ooh. is streaming twenty four seven, and it has a variety of music on there. You can I I do this I take Flightline Radio, pull it up, I put it on my headphones, and as I'm doing stuff on the computer. I play it softly in the background, and which is actually distracting because it, you know we play so many good songs that I'll stop reading or doing whatever I'm doing and sit there and listen to the song or sing along or something, and then I go back to what I'm doing, and sometimes I forget where I am and all that. Huh. But I don't take the headphones off. I just keep listening, so it's my fault, not Mike's. But it's uh, flightlineradio.com. Uh, it is... Like I say, twenty-four-seven mm-hmm. streaming. If you are a wannabe DJ, he is looking for some. You got to have a a catalog of music that you can play. But he is looking for people yeah. that uh, will do it. You get uh, you, you get the same amount of pay as Mike does, uh, which mm-hmm. happens to be zero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. um, he's on live every Saturday morning from ten to noon. So you can tune in, listen to him, request songs and stuff like that. But then that's the only time he's on live. Then at noon on Saturdays, you get a repeat of this show. And mm-hmm. also on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time, he plays the 1st and 15th, which is Cap Kaplowitz, who was our one of our guests last week, along with Phil who was another guest and they just sit and talk about nothing and it's hilarious and it's fun and uh, if you're looking for a, a a smile on your face or a out and out laugh then it is worth your mm-hmm. listen on Thursday or Wednesday mornings at 7 and Wednesday evenings at 7 that is Eastern time so uh, yeah Flightline Radio good show you do a good job of that Okay, Um, let's see, what else do I want to bring up? Uh, Oh, before I forget it, happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas, happy Festivus, happy Hanukkah, which is just passed, actually. Um, Happy Kwanzaa, Uh, and I read another one, which I can't remember what it is. I've got it here. I'll run across it when we talk tonight. So all those holidays seem to hit right here in December. So... Whatever you celebrate and however you celebrate, be safe and be responsible on your alcohol consumption. Don't drive. We want you to come back and be guests with us or be uh, listeners with us. So don't drink and drive. All right. Going on. Uh, Calendars. I've been giving you calendars off and on all year, what's coming up and all that. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Today, winter solstice, uh, solstice is the longest night of the year, Uh, shortest day but longest night. Tomorrow, National Short Person Day. I don't know what that involves, but National Short Person Day. National Roots Day is Saturday, so dig out your roots, find out what they are, and have yourself some wine to celebrate it. Sunday, last minute shoppers' day, which a lot of you out there are doing that. Monday, Christmas day, and there's all sorts of wines you can have with Christmas uh, and sparkling wines. I will be talking about those shortly. Here's one. Junkanoo, J-U-N-K-O-N-R-A-N-O-O, J-U-N-K-A-N-O-O, Junkanoo. Junkano. That's for the Pan-Caribbean celebration that takes the form of colorful parades, showcases a range of West Indian cuisines. I have never heard of that. Junkanoo. Junkano? No, it has to be new. Two O's. Junkanoo. Uh, so, Mike, if you want to dig back in your brain there and see if you can remember anything you can tell us about that, that would be appreciated. Uh, Wednesday visit the zoo day and next Thursday Pledge of Allegiance day i had, you know I used to do that in school all the time we all did I think if you're older uh, I don't think I've actually said the Pledge of Allegiance in a long long time. Friday international cello day and Saturday failing needles family fest day failing needles oh. That's Falling Needles, Family Fest Day. Falling needles off your tree. And then next Sunday, New Year's Eve. And we start the new year there. So that ends up this year and this year's calendar events and stuff. Uh, so did you uh, recall anything yeah. about Junkanoo?
3: Uh basically I I kind of remember um it it's about uh African slavery in uh British American colonies uh oh, that's, really? Uh, that's one of the, Yep. Uh it is practiced uh mostly in Jamaica, um the Bahamas and Belize and uh also historically in North Carolina and Miami uh, oh. where uh, there were uh, significant settlements of West Indian people uh during the Post-emancipation era. And um, there are now today and present day, there are considerable variations uh, in performance and spelling, but there are the shared elements of masquerade or masking, drumming, dance, and parading. Um, there is in many territories the the, this, this, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it either, it looks like, Junk-a-hoo junka who or Junkanoo? Oh, Junkanoo.
2: Junkanoo. It's, Junk-a-new. Junk-a-new? Uh, it's
3: yeah. observed around Boxing Day, yeah. Uh, Boxing oh. Day, which is uh, the 26th of December. Uh, new Year's Day, obviously the first of uh, January, and Easter holidays in some countries. Um, and that's strictly going by memory. I, I oh, no, you know you're good. Uh, that's why right. I asked. That's try right. to
0: yeah. bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. No, yeah, new. Never heard of that before. Wow! And we we live here in Florida, with Miami just down down the street. Mm-hmm. We never heard of that. Hmm. Well, Junkanoo. Uh, anyone celebrating Junkanoo? Then happy Junkanoo, I guess. Merry Junkanoo. I don't know what the proper salutation would be on that. So, okay. So uh, that's good. So that's what junkanoo is. We we all learned something tonight, junkanoo. So all right. Uh we are going to cover different topics tonight and different things here. First, uh some information, some some news that uh I want to share with you here. Uh let's see, not that one. I found a great article on the science science behind reductive aromas in wine. A long article, and I'm about three-fourths of the way through it. But once I finish that, I'll try to share some of that with you. Um, And let's see, what is this one? U.S. ramps up wine exports. I thought that was interesting. We're trying to take over some market that other countries uh, are basically doing is you walk down your street in the big cities Paris, London, Tokyo, Rome and you'll see influence of American culture but you walk into a wine shop and not so much uh, the, the wine isn't being spread around the world like we get different ones here, different wine from all over but you don't see American wines in too many places. And so the U.S. is trying to do that. They're trying to step up the export and trying to get the numbers up. And there's the California Wine Board is working on that, as is the Oregon and Washington Wine Boards. Uh, It says that uh, California... uh, is number one, but a lot of states are trying to increase their sales to export. Oregon exports uh, quite a bit. Uh, Canada accounts for 45% of the export sales, followed by the United Kingdom, where it has grown by 54% over the past seven years. So we're getting the wines. The United States is getting wines in other regions, but it's still a uh, slow and so they decided to start stepping up and they're looking at places that normally you don't think about wine. Uh, they're trying to get in places like Bangkok and South Korea and uh, Czech Republic. Uh, a lot of these you don't consider hotbeds for wine but because of that the United States is trying to get their presence known in that. So. When you go to these different places now, you're going to start seeing more and more can wine. Uh, the uh, annual production of a lot of these, uh, our annual sales to a lot of these places have been low, and so uh, all these wine boards around the country have decided that they would see if they can't increase the sales, and they are doing so, which is interesting. So... Uh, If you go on overseas, you may see more and more of American wine uh, in the stores than previous. Uh, The state of sparkling wine. Uh, We're going to talk about sparkling wines in a little bit here. Uh, Sparkling wine across all categories has been one of the major winners of the post-pandemic drinking culture. It's so estimated to be a $36.7 billion industry in 2022. Uh, sparkling wine consumption grew by double digit percentages between 20 and 21, and then again between 21 and 22. So sparkling wine is really taken off. People are starting to drink it often and not just for... Occasions or something like that, which is good. I promote sparkling wines a lot. I tell you, you need to drink it. Uh, right now, 2022, $36.7 billion in the wine market. Projected by 2028, which is only six years down the road, that's supposed to go up to $55.4 billion. Uh the U.S. sparkling wine market is projected to grow by more than 15% from 2021 to 2026. The number of Americans drinking sparkling wine rose by 30% from 2019 to 2022. That's through the pandemic, too, which is uh, might have a little bit on that. Top sparkling wines in the U.S., Prosecco, followed by Champagne and Cava. And we will be talking about those three shortly here. Sales and the number of bottles in 2022. Uh, Prosecco, 638.5 million bottles. Champagne comes in second at 325.5 million. A big difference. Prosecco obviously is running away with it. And German Sekt, S-E-K-T, is at 284.6 million bottles. Number four, Cava, 249.1. Five Francia Corda twenty point two, six, California sparkling, thirteen point eight, seven, Cap Classique at nine million, and then eight English sparkling wine at five point five two million bottles. Uh so uh it's it's something that uh is taking off and they say that the pandemic probably helped a little bit. People are discovering sparkling wines. I'm a fan. I'll, in fact, we're going to be talking about sparkling wines here shortly. Uh, and let's see what else. Speaking of sparkling wines, riddling. Do you know what riddling is? Most people don't. Okay. Riddling when when you sparkling wines. You. The method of, well, let me read what this says in a short article. As if choreographed, Jesus' cauldron periodically rotates bottles of sparking wine a quarter of a turn while simultaneously tilting them until they're upside down. This is one, this dance is one cauldron is done for 15 years at Napa Valley Scransburg Vineyards. And the labor-intensive process is called riddling or remage in French. Okay, now the bottles all set in these racks that are tilted sideways. You may have seen pictures of the racks and racks of champagne bottles that are sitting in boards that are have the champagne turned sideways. As these ferment in the bottle, the sediment starts going into the bottom of the bottle uh, which is the side it's not the bottom bottom which is the side the sediment starts going on the side of the bottle so they have to be turned so that that sediment doesn't stay there And, and it could stain the bottle too which is unappealing but you have to turn these bottles a quarter of a turn Most of the time, this is done automatically. They have different things, like the whole board will turn or something like that. There's different ways they do it. And seldom do they actually do it by hand anymore. But what this cauldron does is, his cauldron takes the bottle, puts his thumb in the punt, which is the indentation of the the champagne bottle, grabs the bottle, and turns it a quarter of a turn say from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And he does this to every bottle. If there's 5,000 bottles, he has to turn every one of them. Now it's labor intensive but if he's been doing this for 15 years, he is probably faster than the eye. He can probably flip these things sideways and do row after row after row of them and just create a constant as as he's turning them. So this is called riddling, and it's been around for ages, or like the French call it, uh, remage, R-E-M-U-A-G-E. And uh, it says the movement, which happens over roughly an eight-week span, coaxes the yeast inside of the bottle to accumulate and slide to the neck, Okay, so instead of the yeast sitting on the side of the bottle, it slowly settles in the neck, which then it's uncorked, released, and recorked. It's pretty cool when you see somebody do it. You can look it up. I th- I'm pretty sure there's videos on the Internet, uh, YouTube or something. Uh, you can probably click in Champagne Riddling, and it will probably show it to you. I've never never pursued it, never looked at it myself, but I'm sure it is on the internet. But pretty cool thing to do, but they they have to do that to the bottles so they can uh, discharge the yeast that uh, is in the bottles. And, And the yeast is put in there so that it ferments in the bottle. And the yeast eats and devours the sugars and one of the byproducts of that is yeast particles that impart the rich toasty flavors during aging. So uh that's that's riddling, hand riddling. Uh well they have a little video here on this article. So, uh check it out. It's it's pretty cool to watch that stuff. Uh, once the yeast is in the neck, it's frozen, and shooting that frozen yeast plug out of the bottle is called disgorging, or in French, disgorgement. The uh, most imp- interesting thing about hand riddling is that the wines are different every year, requiring me, said Colton, to determine the best way to get the yeast to move into the neck for each bottle. The most compelling thing is that year after year, bowling after bowling, there are challenges that we'll find that are still able to hold my attention. I can't take anything for granted when I put the bottles on the Riddling rack for the first time. So, there you go. The uh, Interesting thing, Riddling, though. Uh, they've been doing that for a long time, getting the yeast discharge and all. So, uh, check it out. Uh, okay. And then they list some sparking wine houses to visit are these all up in napa and that area yeah, napa sonoma santa rosa sebastopol haroldsburg yeah so uh pretty cool There's a lot of them up there if you get an opportunity There's a lot of them up there in uh, that area like i said everybody's going to visit napa at least once do your research where you go so you can see the things you want to see but got to visit it at least once okay uh this I found interesting. A, come on, load, load, load. Oh, Hamster's on the wheel and it's not loading. I haven't went through something this slow since Dollop. Okay. Uh, uh, Felicity Carter, who is a wine journalist and co-founder of Business of Drinks, and I've quoted that magazine quite a bit. Gave an impassioned presentation at the 2023 Wine Industry Impact Conference held in Adelaide, Australia, imploring wine producers to battle claims put forth by the World Health Organization last year that there is, quote, no safe limit when it comes to alcohol consumption. Huh? Yeah, they did. I think I I might have said something to you about it when I first saw that. Uh, she goes on to say, People don't believe me, but this is the worst thing I have seen in 25 years of reporting about wine. The World Health Organization came out in 2022, and they declared there is no safe limit for drinking alcohol. They are pressuring the EU to change their guidelines about cancer. They have came out, they have said alcohol causes cancer. <laughs> Every time I say this, people say, well, prohibition didn't work the first time. And I say there's a difference Prohibition was imposed by government, and this is people choosing not to drink as they hear the health data. So, it it goes on and talks about it here a little bit and what's happening all that. But she is adamant about the fact that the World Health Organization needs to shut their mouth, basically, is what the article says. Uh, it, there's been no concrete evidence or anything. I don't know where they got it. And it's just, uh, well, it goes on like that. Uh, it says, because of the convulsive nature of the messaging around, the, around wine and its health benefits and Wow, what was that? Uh, Carter noted that communicating a clear counterargument to the Who's declaration was extremely difficult. You know, she said uh, it's much easier message to simply say don't drink rather than to give a more nuanced position about drinking. And so there you go. But if you hear that, who responds? Uh, I don't know if there is any scientific evidence that wine causes cancer. And if they want to stop something, I'm afraid that that's, what they do i mean we've heard things over the years that so many different things cause cancer you know your phone can cause cancer and all that you know it's like well without going on to a soapbox here this is one of the things if you happen to see that report then try to look for documentation if you want a reason to not drink then don't use that just don't drink but that seems a little far-fetched to me okay and let's see let me look at i had something else i wanted to bring up
2: and
0: okay that's not the one maybe it's that one uh oh this is the 2023 vintage in california california was probably one of the best vintages ever they're saying that it was a great bumper crop and there are some fantastic wines that should be coming out of it so look for the 2023 wines out of california uh, it should be a uh, uh, uh Fantastic bumper crop and some fantastic wines. Okay. All right. Let's talk about champagnes or sparkling wines. What are the different types of sparkling wines? Well, first let me give you some recommendations for food. And since this is the holiday season, you're going to be eating a bunch of different stuff. These are three very simple, easy things you compare with a lot of stuff. Sparkling wine, number one, and I'll get into detail on in that in one moment here. I sound like I, I sound like news reporters or something here when I do that, don't I? It says the Earth is imploding. Details in 15 minutes. You know, you go, what? I have to wait 15 minutes to find out the Earth is imploding, or you know, gas prices are going to increase a dollar a gallon the first of the month. Details in 20 minutes. Rain chances have increased 100% for the next three days. Details at the end of the hour. Uh, Y'all, I mean, this is what News Channel's doing. It drives me absolutely bonkers. But I sound like I'm doing that now. I'm not, believe me. Sparkling wine. Pair that with just about anything you're having in your meal. You can find a sparkling wine. We'll go into more detail. Here's another one. Dry rosé. There's a lot of rosés out there, and they usually have some good levels of acidity and low levels of tannin overall. So you're not going to uh, not going to be attacked by tannins, and it matches up to a lot of different foods. The rosés are often <sighs> frowned upon at the dinner table or during meals, but it can really serve its purpose well there are some great roses out there that pair well with a lot of foods don't try to go anything uh, overpowering for the rose but just about anything that you're going to put on the table uh, you know your turkey it can go well with uh, ham if you get yourself some uh, nice rose so try roses and Last one uh, to have with your meals is a Riesling. You're going, but Rieslings are sweet. No, 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 not always. There's some dry. Uh, Rieslings with a notable amount of residual sugar can help with spicy flavor profiles. Uh, If you're having Asian food, Indian food, uh, you know, things like that, Uh, Thailand food, Thai food, have yourself some Riesling. The... uh, Sweetness in the reasoning can balance well with some of the, the uh, spiciness of all those foods. It's uh, surprising how well it does uh, blend with the palate. So there's three examples for you of uh, wines that actually we don't look at pairing often enough. Sparkling wines. It is the holiday season. This seems to be the time when most people think about sparkling wines, but don't. Don't do that. Think about sparkling wines all the time. I'm always telling people it's a it's a good drink with anything, anytime. So do it. Grab a sparkling wine. But when you say, well, what sparkling wine to grab? Do you realize there are 20 different types? Probably more, but I'm going to talk to you about 20 different types of sparkling wines right now. Let's start out with one that I'm not familiar with, but this was interesting. Uh, Blanquette de Lemoy. This is a French wine. Uh, according to Cellar Tours, this wine from the Languedoc region of southern France dates back to 1531, uh, made by the local Benedictine monks. Uh, it could be the first documented wine in France, depends on who you ask. I mean, it, you know, it's like sangria, there, you know, the original sangria is made here and everybody says that. Uh, today it's produced in the traditional method. It may have initially been a happy accident. Uh, winemakers were bottling their juice too early and they uh, put the yeast in and, and the yeast was still bubbling. Uh, The yeast causes the bubbles, and so uh, it it could have been an accident. You'll find a small percentage of Chardonnay with the occasional presence of Chenin Blanc. However, the majority of de Lemont comes from an indigenous grape in the region called a Mouzac, M-A-U-Z-A-C, or a Blanquette. Uh, it's called both, and hence the name, the Blanquette de L'Amour. Uh Fresh flavors of green apple, pears, floral-honeyed aromas uh, comes from this uncommon grape. It's made in dry and semi-sweet styles, which pairs well with complete meals and desserts. Uh, it's uh, consumed by itself as an aperitif, or you can Serve it with the entire meal all the way through. It'll balance out with just about everything. We usually don't have anything really heavy red meat during Thanksgiving. So it can pretty much pair with any of the birds you might put on the table. Even venison. This is something that I was talking to. A friend of mine played golf today, and we were talking about venison. And, you know, this would pair well with venison, I think. So if you happen to see it, it's, there's not a lot of it on the shelves, but it's, you can probably find it in bigger markets. Blanquette de Limoux, It's B-L-A-N-Q-U-E-T-T-E-D-E-L-I-M-O-U-X. Blanquette de Limoux. Moscato d'Asti. Oste. Italians have made the Moscato d'Asti for centuries. It goes back to the 14th century. It was originally sourced from Osti in the Piedmont region. And it's a lightly fizzy wine, uh, Frazzanet versus a more co- carbonated Spamante styles. It's traditionally sweet and low alcohol, around five to 6%. So if you're looking for keeping the alcohol down, this is good for it. And the bubbles are made from the Moscato Bianco grape which is noted for its aroma, sweet, floral, spice profiles. And Grapes are collected and fermented at a low temperature in large pressurized tanks until a light sparkle develops. And then there's still plenty of sugar in the wine, so the bottled results are decidedly sweet. Uh some people enjoy the sweet sipper solo and it's often served as a dessert wine. So there you go. A uh Moscato M O S C A T O D A S T I. Uh Next one. Uh Brac Braccetto di Acque. Aquai? Acquay. B-R-A-C-H-E-T-T-O-D, little Mark. A-C-Q-U-I. This is also Italian. Uh, It's uh, from the Piedmont region, but the sweet sparkling red sure stands out, and it's a red wine, which makes it interesting. Uh, The the wine gets its name from the grape variety, Rochetto, and the region of production, which is Aquai. Uh the Romans used to drink this. It was made back when the Romans, and they claimed it as an aphrodisiac uh The sparkling red is a good sipper if you want to skip dessert and still have a little bit of sweetness. It's full of fruity flavors, strawberry, cherry, raspberry, and floral aromas. The alcohol is still pretty low five point five to seven percent usually. It can be chilled, and uh, the result uh, ranges from uh, light sparkly Fresnet to full bubbly. The wine has its own DOCG, which is uh, a designated region, which means that cultivation and production are regulated to ensure consistency and quality. Uh, you can have it with... Uh, a meal or serve it with a chocolate cake or berry-based dessert. These are all good combinations. Next one, Prosecco, P-R-O-S-E-C-C-O. You're probably familiar with this because I just read you it's one of the biggest selling wines in the world, or in the United States. Um, According to the Prosecco DOC, 486 million bottles are sold annually. That's a lot. Hailing from northeastern Italy, the vineyards date back a couple of thousand years. Uh, The town and the wine are both named Prosecco, but the primary grape variety used in production is officially called Glera, or Glera, G-L-E-R-A. The huge volume of production and the varying quality, if you want to taste the good stuff, look for the D-O-C-G labels on the bottle because there could very easily be some around the region that does not have that on the bottle. So the DOCG is going to give you a better Prosecco. It's recognized for its light, floral, fruity, and aromatic notes. Uh, the uh, secondary fermentation produces a fresh, crisp taste, and it produces the time in the bottle. Proseccos can range from a very dry to a sec. Dimisec- which is a sweet style that makes for an excellent dessert wine. And if you're a fan of pink wines, Prosecco DOC Rosé was officially approved in 2020. Well, they couldn't do anything during the pandemic, so they approved this. So there, look for something uh, with a Prosecco DOC Rosé, sparkling rosé. Next one, French Accorda. F R A N C I A C O R T A. Francia Corda. Uh, Prosecco gets all the buzz, but look for the sparkling wine from Francia Corda. It's a northern Italian region of that name. And uh it's not quite as popular internationally as Prosecco, but it is very good. And only about ten percent is exported. Um, Looking for a fine wine made in traditional methods uh, and you're familiar with grapes like Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Blanc, then this is a wine for you. Smaller production is limited and it's very good wine. There's a lot to be discovered about the Francia Corda, uh, especially considering that the original Roman vineyards date back to the first century and wine production has been documented since the 12th century. So uh, what a what a good history on that. Uh, skip the mimosas uh, and kick off your lunch uh, or before your big meal with a francicorda. Next one, Trentodoc. T-R-E-N-T-O-D-O-C. Now this is another wine from Italy, this is from northern Italy, from Trentinto, Trentino. Uh, the bubbles are a traditional method in the bottle, and it is uh, parallel between grape growing conditions in Champagne and those in Trentino at the start of the 20th century. So. Fast forward almost an entire century, and the region has received its own DOC to regulate features of production and quality. Uh, the terror of the region boosts high-altitude vineyards where Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Minoir are grown. These are all permitted in Champagne production, too. Uh, the grapes are hand-picked and undergo a notable maturation period from 15 months to 10 years. Uh, and because of its unique terroir, it's sparkling wine from the mountains. It's often referred to as sparkling wine from the mountains. Uh, you find notes of apple, flowers, apricot, tropical fruits. And uh, just a, a great wine to have as a beginning. Or you can buy the different styles. They have dry brutes. They have rosés. They have vintage wines, and they have reservas, which you can put away in age. Next one, Cava. We talked about Cava. You should be familiar with that. Uh, Since receiving its official designation in 1972, Cava D.O., which is the Spanish designation, can only be made in northeastern Spain's Penedillas region. And so uh, if you really want to get into it, the town of Saint, oh my gosh, of uh, Sant. Sant Darni de Aneu is where the, the of it all is. Uh, it's probably around the world. Two-thirds of the approximately 240 million bottles produced annually are sold outside of Spain. Uh, it's worth noting that it is actually made in the same laborious method as Champagne but it has the spanish flair which the primary grapes used are Xero perillada Perelada and macaboo we need somebody we need a, a sommelier in here that's passed all these pronunciation things so try these right um fruity and floral flavor profile Crisp and refreshing kava is referred to as uh, a variety of flavors and of price tags. Uh, there's lots of different ones out there, but uh, try a cava; they're, they're just about everywhere. As is the next one, champagne. C-H-A-M-P-A-G-N-E. Champagne. If you want to mispronounce it really bad. Champagne is one of the most prestigious sparkling wines in the world.
1: Uh,
0: people have referred to just about every sparkling wine as a champagne. The uh, region began making bubblies in the late 1600s, and the rules for its production are extremely restricted. Uh, that's one of the reasons why you can guarantee that you are getting the real deal from I a mean, real deal when you get champagne because they're very very strict on the rules of the uh, vintage champagne only makes up around five percent of all production, but most of the volume consists of non vintage champagne vintage mean dated a year. most champagnes are blends and have different years and stuff. Uh, they will make. A year, uh, David, well, that's, like I say, it's only about 5%. Earlier champagne was mainly sweet, but now you can get it from a brute nature, which is very dry, to a sweet dimisec, which is is sweet. It's always a good choice to celebrate. Uh, They're expensive, too. Uh, Most champagne, true champagnes, will start costing you money. You can get some very, very expensive champagnes. But if you want to save a little bit of money and get a good sparkly wine, try Cremant, C-R-E-M-A-N-T, Cremant. Just because champagne gets all the attention doesn't mean that you can't look elsewhere. And since they can't use the same name, the rest of the country is called Cremant. While the minimum aging requirements and various regulations are sometimes more lenient than in Champagne, uh, it's uh, still an outstanding bubbly wine. Uh, different types are named after each producing region. Okay, So we've got Alsace, Clement, Bourgogne, Clement, jara Clement, lure Bordeaux, Sauvet, Dye, Lameau, all of these are different regions that all make ferment. And these can include Chenin Blanc, Riesling, Pinot Gris, Cabernet Franc, as well as lesser known varieties like Jaguar, um Mosaic, and Pulsard. Or Pulsard, yeah. They are going to give you some bold, fruity aromas. Uh, crisper zestier varieties if you're looking for an affordable option from champagne then crement is the way to go and this is good pairing for fatty dishes rich fatty dishes I take the crement and and uh, serve it with the uh, rich because of the high acidity it will help cut the the fattiness of the dishes. And there's a lot of dishes out there. I can't think of any. I'm not a chef or else I'd rattle off some, but uh, there's a lot of them out there that would make make a difference. Next one, Cap Classique. C-A-P-C-L-A-S-S-I-Q-U-E. Cap uh, Classique. South Africa. We just made the trip there. Uh, If you haven't had it, you're missing out. Uh, the production has been in, uh, for a number of years. The Method Clap Cacique, uh, our MCC, has been around for quite some time. Franz Milan, who is a winemaker and owner of Simon Sig Winery in Stellenbosch, became inspired after traveling to the Champagne region of France, and he started to experiment with methods of using local Chenin Blanc grapes and he's creating his own style after the vineyard, or cape. I said cape, cape. Cape Vineyards, and he dropped the, he made it cap. The sparkling sparkling wine is now made with an assortment of grapes, not just the Chenin Blanc, uh, including Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir. These are the ones that Trance uses also. It's pretty much out there. If you're not looking, you can find it. And uh, it's... Uh, not a household name worldwide, but 10 million bottles are made each year. So you can probably find them if you are actually looking for uh, South African wine. Cap classique Next one. Now, Petal, Petalant Natural. Petalant, P-E with a little mark of the e, T-I-L-L-A-N-T, and Natural, N-A-T-U-R-E-L. Uh, also known as Pet Nat. Well, that's pretty easy. A simple method is made following the ancestral method of fermentation. Uh, And these, uh, according to uh, Vinpears, popularized in France. But since then, they've rapidly spread around the globe as winemakers all over seek to make their own renditions. So, in the U.S., Pet Nat's you can get it, are being produced in California, Oregon, Vermont, Washington, and New York. But it's not limited to these states. Uh, Pet Nat Week is also celebrated. And these wines are ready to drink and sell soon after harvest. So making them widely available and widely popular because they're, they're there and they're young and they're fresh. And they are fun wines they say unpretentious this is a nice fun bubbly. they're made with a vast array of grapes and a variety of hues so you can get some that are uh white and a little bit darker and pink and red and everything so it says it's worth seeking out uh funky fruity wines pat net never heard of it myself boy i'm really not looking in the champagne owls enough natural lambrusco we're familiar with that uh it's a red sparkling wine and it's from the northern italian region of emilia romagna uh i guess that's France. i apologize for destroying names all the time uh, you compare it with cheese, uh, stuffed pasta. It says, unfortunately, the 70s, 80s were a time of mass-produced syrupy Lambruscos, eventually ruining the wine's reputation for decades. Yeah. yeah, and that's probably why I don't drink Lambrusco, because in the 70s, that's early 70s when I started really getting into wine, and Lambrusco was sort of like, ooh, for most people who were drinking wines back then who were serious about drinking wines because of the uh, flavors and taste so uh i pretty much got away from it and i never got back but it says here a new wave of winemakers are eager to give it another chance skipping the sugar-laden styles in f- favor of dry and balanced renditions so you can get a, the Lambrusca that is not sweet and syrupy like they used to be. Three primary grape varieties are used to make the sparkling wine: the Lambrusca di Sorbara, El Salamino, which is probably Lambrusca, Lambrusca Salamino, and Lambrusca di Graspì Rossi. They are used either individually or as blends. And it says there are dozens of styles of Lambrusca. Uh, generally. Uh, fruity, floral, or rusty, rustic and bold. Uh, the sweet versions aren't as common anymore. You'll find more of a robust, drier tasting Lambruscas if you're out there. If you remember the old sweet styles, it's not so much. Um, so uh, Lambrusco. Next one, Sec. S-E-K-T. This is a German wine. And it's more than just a reasoning. it's made with a reasoning. it's a sparkling reasoning. Um It does, a, it's a great job of perfecting the richly aromatic grape. I like the reasoning grape. The reason grape is, is it's really versatile. It's country's answer to the bubbles. And it's so popular locally that most people outside of the region can't get their hands on bottles. Huh, I've had a set. You can find them every once in a while. German sect gets most of the attention. Australian sect is also an option. Other grapes that are allowed in production include Pinot Noir, Gris, and Blanc. Pinot, Gris and Pinot Blanc, so to clarify that. Chardonnay and various indigenous grapes. So, you know, I probably maybe should list what grapes are in there, but I guess they really don't have to. There's no rule that says they do. There's a variety of levels of quality, sweetness, and origin. A bottle labeled only Sekt, S-E-K-T, could pretty much come from anywhere, whereas German Sekt guarantees the source. The top level is Wienzer Sekt, W-I-N-Z-E-R-S-E-K-T, and that is man's traditional method. Uh, champagne was a large source of inspiration for the sect. Affordable bottles and they're ready to drink, so try it. Uh, it's probably a good alternative, good money alternative to uh, some of the others. American sparkling wine. Oh, boy, there are, are lots of those. We can call them champagne. Well, no, we can't. We if they were grandfathered in, uh, if you buy a New York champagne from Taylor, then they will call it champagne because they were grandfathered in. Uh, I can tell you the story of name protection and all that stuff. I just don't want to get into it now because uh, I don't feel like it. Maybe I'll tell you in a future date. I think I've talked about it before, but I can't recall. But I'll tell you about it. Uh, Yeah, I have talked about it, but still. Uh, Champagne is appreciated by U.S. consumers a lot. Uh, Around half of the volume of bubbly wine enjoyed in the country is locally made. Uh, The first bottle was accidentally produced, and guess where? Wrong. Ohio. Ohio. They're saying here by Nicholas Longworth, who was responsible for creating a literal boom in U.S. wine production of the champagne uh, or sparkling wine production zones have expanded to various states, including Oregon, Virginia, California, Washington, New York. You can probably go on and name every state in the union now. Due to the leniency with regard to law, some U.S. sparkling wines were permitted to carry the label Champagne. Dismay of the French, as you can imagine. Nonetheless, a number of French Champagne houses have also gotten on board with local production, opening their own wineries in the United States. And they do. You can probably check, you know, if you want to get into that a little bit more and find out if your American Champagne is made by a French Champagne house, so it's interesting thing there. English sparkling wine, as in England, it's also uh, it, it's so much overlooked. Uh, in fact, we were going to interview some English champagne houses. Uh, what was it? Two or three years ago, I think, right, right around the pandemic time, and we got one on. The phone, and we were going to do it, and my computer was acting up, and I couldn't connect. That was back when Blog Talk Radio was giving us fits almost every week, and we were going to talk to him on a Saturday morning because of the time difference, and we broadcast it during the regular show, and I couldn't get a hold of him. We tried. Oh, and I think we were having connection problems, too, weren't we? Yeah, we were having connection problems, and uh, we couldn't hear him on some stuff. But we tried to follow up and get some more. We were going to interview like three different, four different champagne houses, and it never came about. I, and that's sad. I need to look that and see if we can't follow up on that, because that would be good to find out what's happening in England. Uh the cooler conditions are great for producing bubbly there. And in certain areas, it's really almost exactly the same as the Champagne region. Uh, they use Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and Chardonnay and use it in the traditional method, which is the grapes that are being used in uh, France and the method they use there. Uh, the history is still young, but there are some Great champagnes that have expanded our sparkling wines. I'm sorry, uh, out of uh, out of England, and the, the rosés, the blanc de blancs, which is made with all white grapes, the blanc de noir, all red grapes, and root stalls, And they compare with pair it with sushi, fish and chips, uh, any number of lighter meals. Your appetizers. Uh, after you finish your meal, uh, instead of uh, if you're going to watch football uh, after your meals, have yourself some of this, uh, some English sparkling wine or any sparkling wine. Uh, sparkling Shiraz, I gave it away, didn't I? Because I said Shiraz, uh, with the Z at the end, is from Australia. Uh, if you tried any type of sparkling wine from Australia, it's probably sparkling Syrahs. Uh, It's popular red wine. Uh, It's a style of the French winemakers uh, in Australia with the focus on the traditional method of fermentation. And they recommend that you chill these bubbles to balance out the high alcohol content and also enhance the flavors. Uh, You'll get dark fruit uh, like berries and plums and spiced aromas and sparkling straws makes a great pairing for meat dishes uh, so there's one that will hold up against uh, any meat you might have to have venison or something like that uh, you can incorporate it into your favorite sangria recipe and add a little bubble to your sangria uh, it's good for Breakfast. is being used a lot by the locals in Australia for breakfast, and it is also a classic for Christmas meals. So uh, you got to remember, though, that Australia is in the middle of the summer down there now. December is their summer time. They go to go to the beach on Christmas Day. Although the way the temperature is going here in Florida now, we might be able to go to the beach on Christmas Day too. Uh, So there you go. Australian Sparkling Syrahs. And then the next one is Gruet. G-R-U-E-T. This is from an area which you might not think too much of a sparkling wine. New Mexico. Uh, it turns out that Gruet Winery discovered a little secret and it was a prime land for growing the grapes. And so they started to make champagne. Uh, after decades of fooling around the Gruetz decided to expand their legacy and open a winery in what happens to be the state with the longest winemaking tradition in the country forbes reports i don't know about new mexico but maybe uh the gruets children took over making the method. while the winery was still young they got regular praise from the champagne producers uh Acclaimed highlights from the fact that the New Mexico's high-altitude terrain, scorchingly dry days and cool nights, make it a prime spot for this style of wine. Who would have guessed? Sold at a fraction of the price of the more famous French bubbles, it is certainly worth it to get your hands on a few bottles. Gruet, G-R-U-E-T, name of the winery and of the... Champagne. I had a bottle of that. I, I have to say, when I had the winery, I used to ask people to bring me a wine from a different state. I wanted to get all fifty states, and yes, you can get them from all fifty. And over a period of about two years, I finally got every state. And the one I got from New Mexico was the champagne the grew at Champagne, which I was quite impressed with it. I used to share the wines with. Uh, my class, I used to teach a class uh oh, once sometimes twice a month and I used to share the wine with them. Next one is vino Espumante. This is out of Portugal and it is a sparkling wine that is not mainstream, it is produced across the country especially in the province of Barada, you'll find all styles. Uh, its in, production has improved and expanded since the start of the 21st century. Uh, the region is noted for its refreshing light wines, and the production of the sparkling wine is that style also. A uh, variety of wines that can carry you from cocktail art through a seafood fest and up to dessert. So there you go, vino espermante, V-I-N-H-O, then espumante, v i n h o, then e s p u m a n t e. And next one we have for you is Pez, Pezgo, I think that's how it's pronounced, p e z s g o with uh, two little like quotation marks above the o, p e z s g o. This is from Hungary. Uh, literally pesgo literally translates to fizzy wine hmm. prior to World War One, the country was the number two producer of sparkling wines after France producing over six million bottles a year uh, the wine produced using the traditional method dates back to the 19th century when it was popular among the middle and upper class and the quality quickly declined with the rise of communism. Wines of Hungary explains that varying terms distinguish the different degrees of bubbles and fermentations and PESGO is at the upper level of the quality spectrum. So there you go. If you see Hungarian wines it says Pesgo that is the for the line. And the <laughs> Using native variety grapes, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are available. But they also use in Olaskarizing, O L A S Z R I Z L I N G, and Harsle Harslevelu, H A R S L E V E L U. A little mark over the A and a double mark over the last U. Huh, OK, this is a crisp, fruity and floral wine pairs well with seafood, canaps and or sipped by itself. And the next one, which is the last one, is a rosé sparkling. We talked a little bit about that earlier already, but rosé sparkling are pink bubbles. Uh, there's lots of them out there. You can look around and find lots of them uh the most expensive champagne oh jeez i i am I'm not remembering stuff uh Chandon and what is the other one they both put a, put out a pink champagne periodically not every year though they uh they don't do it all the time and it costs a little bit more than their regular white ones when they do come out with it um They remove the skin off the red grapes to keep the lighter color, but uh, some of them take a different approach. Uh, They blend red and white and get it blended together, and then they produce a sparkling white. Then the red wine is mixed to produce the final results. Up to 15% of the red wine is added to it. Uh, So that's one style. Other styles are made with red grapes and typically minimize the skin contact to make a pale pink color and prosecco rosé it requires a minimum of 85 percent glera which is the classic grape for prosecco blended with 10 to 15 percent pinot Noir. so uh, different rules different ways but eventually you come out with a sparking wine that is a rosé that is very very good i've had numerous rosé sparkling wines and i have never been disappointed they've always been an excellent choice and all that and they can be an excellent choice for your christmas or new year eve celebration i keep saying christmas but the new year's eve coming up is you know people always like to have sparkling wines of some sort so try some of these others there's a bunch of them on there again uh so to sum up pezgo hungarian vino espumante which is Portuguese, Gruet, New Mexico domestic, sparkling Syraz, Australian. You've got English sparkling wine, which is England, American sparkling wine, a variety of those. Sect, S E K T, which is German. You can find those. I see those a lot too. And then Brusco which is drier now. Try that with a with a hamburger or something. Pelotin natural are pet net and they're made everywhere. I never realized. You can look for something like that. Cap Classique, which is out of South Africa. Cremant, which is a champagne, only not called a champagne. It's all around the Champagne District. Then the classic Champagne, if you really want to celebrate Christmas or the New Year's, that's a great way to do it. Cava, Spanish. Then Trintandac, which is Northern Italy. Uh, You've got uh, uh, Francia Corta, which is also from Northern Italy. Uh, this is the cream de la of that area, they're saying. you uh, Prosecco, which is bubbly out of Italy. Look for the uh, Prosecco DOC on the label, on the bottle, which is going to be uh, quality, showing you quality. The De Aquai, which is from the uh, Brocetta region, Piedmont, Italy. And Moscato di Oste, which is, again, Oste in the Piedmont region. We also have Blanquette di Moy, which is a French sparkling wine. And that's it. So, covered them again, went through them. Enjoy them this holiday, this next couple of weeks during Christmas and all of your other holiday celebrations, New Year's also, you're always looking for one there. And might just as well have a wine that you really enjoy instead of just something that you want to pop the cap on it just to say you had a champagne. Get one that's going to be good. Let me give you a couple quick hints. The colder the bottle is, the less the cap is going to shoot off, the warmer the bottle is the more it's going to shoot off. And believe me, some of those bottles, when it's warm, you shoot that cap off, it could bubble out and three-fourths, seven-eighths of your bottle is discharged because of handling everything. So chill them. Chill your bottles before you serve them. And then when you put the, take the cap off, throw a towel over the top of it, work it off with your fingers and have it pop into the towel. Or if you find someone across the room you don't particularly care for, then aim it at them. But take it off like that and enjoy your champagne this next couple of weeks. And we're done.
3: Oh, All right. Yeah. I had the wrong kind of cork there. I thought it was more champagne sounding, but I guess it's uh, more wine more Wine bottle like, uh, sounding. Yeah. Yeah, wine bottle. Yeah. Um well, it is uh 8 to 8:12 wow. looks like on wow. um, for those of you watching on Facebook or X it's uh 808 so um, <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> It'll catch up. Um, yeah. We uh, will go ahead and sh- sh- um, end the show for this week on uh, December 21st, and we'll pick it back up again next Thursday, the 28th. Uh, I believe we have a show then. And, um, yeah, join us for the for the new year after that. So uh, tune in next week for the next one. And uh have a good week and a good weekend ahead. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. And uh, be safe and drive carefully. Uh, there's a lot of people on the road. And if you're traveling, uh, going through airports, I'm sorry. It's not my fault. Or <laughs> you know, it's the season. So um, yeah, don't throw anything out as well as that. Yeah, uh, it's hectic. So uh, thanks again. Yeah. Uh, have a great day. and And uh, we'll... Talk to you after uh, after Christmas on uh, next week. Uh, yeah, y'all be safe
0: and, and, uh, yeah. and enjoy some good wines, and we'll see you next week.
3: Absolutely, thank you. That's it.
1: Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About One. About One. All right.
2: Green uh, Room.